I was smitten immediately as well. And would come home just dripping wet. And my husband would be like, why are you doing this? Oh, it's so fun. Hello, and welcome to Steady State Podcast. We're really interested in backstories, the experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. By sharing these stories about the humanity of our sport, we're revealing a narrative about rowing culture that celebrates real-life experience from launch to coxie at every level. We're Tara Morgan and Rachel Friedman, and this is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode, a remix of a 2021 conversation with coach Tom Rooks of Williamsburg Boat Club. We loved how authentic he was from his fun first mantra to his philosophies about saving lives, being well-rounded and finding your calling. Since then, Tom's been hired by US Rowing as its health and well-being associate, ensuring that our NGB, local clubs and regattas have procedures in place to keep athletes, coaches, officials, and volunteers safe. This remix includes a new intro where we banter about Tom, safety, and the 2022 U.S. Rowing Masters Nationals in Sarasota, Florida. If you missed it or any of our episodes, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com podcast or ask your smart speaker to play Steady State Podcast. This episode is made possible in part by Concept2 and Lake Washington Rowing Club. Become a sponsor for as little as $65 at steadystatenetwork.com slash sponsors. If you're a fan of podcasts, try putting your workout in your ears. The free Concept2 workout podcast, As the Flywheel Spins, offers you invigorating workouts to help you strengthen and condition. Coach Katie Hart will lead you through each workout stroke by stroke. There's nearly 100 workouts to choose from. Find Concept 2's As the Flywheel Spins wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And for folks out west, Lake Washington Rowing Club is full steam ahead organizing the 43rd Head of the Lake Regatta. Set to take place in Seattle on Sunday, November 6, 2022, it's the last big head race of the season. LWRC hopes to see you there. For more information, visit headofthelake.org. All right, let's get started with this week's episode. Yeah, as part of our semi-regular club spotlight series, we're heading to California to get to know East Bay Rowing Club, home to community rowing on the Oakland Estuary. EBRC caught our attention last month when they announced a brand new regatta, Boats Without Barriers. And it's the club's response to US rowing holding Masters Nationals in Florida, a state where not all are welcome. East Bay's ultimate goal is to be a club where everyone belongs and pulls together to support the best within each other. Today, we're talking with East Bay Club President Denise Martini, DEI Committee Co-Chair Carla Jordan, and Olympian Aaron Cafaro, new head coach of the Scholastic Men's Varsity Rowing Program. Thank you all for being with us today. Hello. Good morning, Carla. Good morning, Denise. Rachel. Hi, Tara. Hey, Aaron. How are you? Good morning. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is fantastic. Yeah. Hey, hey guys. Look at this panel of women. I'm so excited. You know. Part of our story. Yeah. Yep. So welcome. And you guys are part of our semi-regular club spotlight series. We like to pick out clubs from all over. We've done Halifax in Canada. NASA in the Bahamas. Oak Ridge Rowing. We've done a ton of different kinds of clubs. 
Um, and we always like to talk to uh, like a board member and a recent Learn to Row graduate or uh, someone who's still all bright and shiny. And then of course, uh, talking to a coach. So today it is East Bay Rowing Club. Hi, my name is Carla Jordan and I am a master's rower with East Bay Rowing Club. I started in 2014 at one of our Learn to Rows and Sarah Nevin was my coach. I graduated, dumped into the novice group after, after the Learn to Row and um, someone called in sick for a race. And so I raced the month after I finished the Learn to Row. And that was it for me. I was like, this is what I was born to do. Denise? Hi, I'm Denise Martini. I am the EBRC board president this year. I began rowing in 2016, basically by accident. I had I had been a runner and a cyclist. That was my normal routine for just staying in shape. And then started having a hamstring problem and decided I needed to not run as much and was looking around for what else I could do. And I thought, well, I guess I could do master's swimming. And I bought goggles and they sat on the counter next to my back door for like three months where I kept thinking, I really should go down to the pool and try it out and couldn't bring myself to do it. And then a friend of mine, a casual acquaintance, I was at an event and someone asked her how rowing was going. And I went, rowing? What are you talking about? I assumed master's rowing was that was people who started rowing in high school and kept going. Mm. And she said, oh, you should try it. And I did a January learn to row, you know, dark and rainy, Sarah Nevin was my learn to row coach. A couple of things about it. I am an introvert. The idea of doing something with other people was just horrifying. And when you do a learn to row with Sarah every morning, it's all right, line up by your first name alphabetically. And then the next time it's line up by your phone number. And so, and I'm like, this is so weird, but she was making us talk to each other. Yeah. And, and I was surprised how much I enjoyed being around people. And yeah, I was, I was smitten immediately as well. And it would come home just dripping wet. And my husband would be like, why are you doing this? Oh, it's so fun. <laughs> yeah. My name is Erin Cafaro, East Bay Rowing Club Director of Training. And then I'm also the Oakland Tech Varsity Men's Coach. I feel like Sarah Nevin is like Kevin Bacon in rowing. Like we all have like <laughs> one degree of Sarah Nevin. Um, so she was my first novice coach uh, at Cal Berkeley. So I, I started rowing in 2001 um, at Cal and I was a direct beneficiary of Title IX. Um, I walked on to the team at Cal and, um, you know, got my way, earned a scholarship. And I just happened to walk onto this team that was just stacked with, you know, badass women that, um, you know, took me under their wing. Um, even though I'm a little bit, you know, on the short side for a rower, they, uh, you know, just basically taught me how to persevere and be a good teammate and make those that are, are blessed by the gods with, um, you know, height and dragon lungs, uh, how to make them go fast. And so I, I had a pretty darn successful career in being in fast boats, went on to the national team, was on the national team for, um, I guess it was six years. And then, uh, was blessed to be part of two gold medal winning crews. So 2008 in Beijing, um, we won the women's eight and then 
we went and did it again in 2012. I like Carla and Denise, like I, I just got hooked with this sport and I was very fortunate to be exposed to this sport. Um, you know, relatively early on and it really has shaped, yeah, the direction of my life. So yes, thank you so much for being with us today. We always like to ask, how is your rowing week going? I had a really bad week until I hit Saturday. Mm-hmm. And Saturday started out bad. I, you know, we had to do a lot of zhuzhing with the lineups because of the last minute drops. And I thought I was going to be in one lineup and it changed like three times by the time we actually hit the water. But it was the best row I've had in a long time. And it was in a small boat. Yeah. I don't like small boats. We did 20K in a double and wow. it was awesome. Cool. So yeah, well, that's a nice a great surprise. Week. Yeah. Yeah. Great, awesome. great way to end it. Yeah. Denise? My rowing week was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, being the board president, a lot of my rowing week has to do with the club. And it was just a week of a lot of, a lot of kind of change, which always kind of, but the great thing about rowing is, man, when you're on the water, everything just goes away. Um, and so it was it was a good week. It was good ending it with the 20K because that's just, you get done with that. You got nothing left. And then exactly. Saturday is just, you're a deflated balloon and you just kind of relax. And I took a little nap and it was my husband's birthday. So we had a great dinner out and yeah, it was just nice. It was a good, it was a good week. Oh, that sounds like that sounds a fant- like a fantastic road, 20K to end the week. Is that something that's standard for you guys on a Saturday or just this part of the season? It kind of used to be. And because of sprint season, we've shortened it a little bit. But now that we're starting to head back into head racing season and we're going to start our head racing season with a marathon, or I think we're all most of it, we're going to do a half marathon. Um, we're starting to head back into that 20K. Mm-hmm. And we call it we call it the tour of the estuary. So we we essentially go from Jack London Square at the north all the way down to Oakland Airport, like as far as the water goes. Mm -hmm. We used to call it to the watermelon because there's a rock with a watermelon painted on it. It's shaped like a watermelon. Yeah, it's just this rock that looks like a watermelon. But they're doing shoreline work and they took the watermelon away. Oh, they're going to put it back, though, because there's been outcry. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I was going to say, we got to start a movement here. No, no, it'll yeah, go back. No, it will be back. So Aaron, you, I know you've had a big week. So what's, what's your rowing week been like? Actually, it's, it's been quite wonderful. I, it was like my first week really back to rowing. I, I actually got in the coaching launch, um, by myself this week and, um, it was a little rough. I think I waked Carla out in her <laughs> Boat a couple of times. It was not bad compared to the other weeks. Uh, there we go. There Thank you, you go. for being so gracious. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was working with some of the intermediate mixed masters crew. It was wonderful. It's just, it's a different, it's a different perspective going forward again and, and like looking at everybody in the coaches launch. And it was, yeah, it was just so beautiful to be there with the sunrise again and also be able to like go and, you know, not be super sweaty and, and go to work and. <laughs> Go straight to the next thing. I actually haven't been on the water for um, quite a while. I imagine I'll do something about that soon. But okay, so, so you guys share water. We're going to talk about where you row in just a second, but I just want to clarify: yep. you share water with Cal. Yep. Uh, you have the pleasure of being on the water with none other than Sarah Nevin, who is one of my personal heroes. Yeah, Sarah Nevin, coach, who just returned to Cal. 
um, after trying to retire, but getting lured back to Cal. She um, did retire again. Yes. No, she retired yeah. again. Yeah. Yep. 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 She oh, did like a one, one year, like kind of, you uh, know, last round, last round, but yeah, she's retired again, but oh, she, so she had her last oh, hurrah and she said, I, I'm, d- I'm done. Retirement is awaiting. She's, yep. she's, she's one of my personal heroes and one of my uh, legends. And so uh, I'm so you're so lucky to even just be in the vicinity. Yeah. I, I would love to be on the water. Uh-huh. Well, hey, Tara, I think it might be time for rapid fire. Okay. Yeah. Rapid so, fire. yeah. So every episode, we put our guests in the hot seat for a lightning round of questions to help our listeners get to know all of you. So are you ready? Sure. Ready. Excellent. Ready. All right. So we'll have each of you answer each question that we ask. So let's do this in this order. We're gonna have Aaron answer, then Carla, then Denise. Perfect. Port or starboard? Port, but I can do, I can do a little bit of, I dabble in starboard. I like that. (laughs) Port. Starboard. Bow seat or stroke seat? Depends what boat, but mostly bow, mostly bow. Mostly stroke. Stroke, if we can get a starboard rig date. We, we were half, we're halfway there and we will have one soon, but I love stroking. So I do the equivalent. I like seven seat too. That's when you just sneak into the boathouse in the middle of the night and just like, you know. We thought it would be easy. It is not easy. <laughs> oh. Okay, uh, sprint race or head race? Oof, head, head race. Well, it depends. If it's the Charles, then no, but every other race. Now I've just come around to head race. Same head race. All right. And do you prefer unisuit or tank and trout? Oh, full, full on unisuit. Yep. Yep. Uni. Uni. It's funny. I think every Olympian we've interviewed, they always say uni. And most of everybody else says tank and trout. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But the and best they- is like wearing the uni sometimes like down. Right. And then you have a place to put your socks and your water bottle and like whatever, you know. Exactly. Yeah. You can go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, this is one of my favorite ones. Uh, favorite coxswain command to give or receive? Shoot. That's a good one. And Aaron, uh, you, you might have a good Olympic story with one of those, but if you have a favorite command, just listen to Mary Whipple's coxing tapes all all of it but it's actually quite simple when she says yes and there's just silence like before and after you're you know you're you're moving so she doesn't have to say it she just says yes oh, i That's love that awesome. i love mary whipple so much mm-hmm. i want her to cox my life like I <laughs> right <laughs> finish them and it has to be said in in that that uh there's some game I've actually like heard the voice um, and I've actually gotten our coxswain to do it where she goes finish them like (laughs) (laughs) that just does all kinds of things oh wow wow okay do these um for me it's last 10 strokes empty the tank Mm. yeah 
And then you cross the line on number nine and it's even better. Right. Yeah. If it's really bad, if it's bad is when they say last 10 strokes, then it's really 12. (laughs) Yeah. I've learned, I learned that lesson a long time ago as a cox. I I get pretty darn close to the line and I just pick some number knowing that it's more than it's going to take. But it takes a while as a coxswain to figure that out. Like how, how far your boats move per stroke and guesstimating that. But yeah, when all of a sudden you're like show about what cox and should not say yeah. <laughs> like don't say almost there or, right. or uh, my favorite is I know you're tired but oh, that's, that's the worst, worst. <laughs> <laughs> never say tired say no that. never <laughs> oh it's the worst there should be like a whole like psychology of coxing you know? right oh geez yeah okay yeah. Rachel yes all right next question uh calories watts or splits on the erg Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah, done some calorie work, but if I don't want to pay attention, but I I love a good split screen, you know, with all the information Mm -hmm. and the power curve. Yep. I'll have to echo, echo that split screen or splits and power curve. Yeah, exactly the same. That's the, all the information I need. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, Best place to row? Um, I've been pretty damn privileged, but I would say Lucerne, Switzerland. Yeah, we've heard that's the most popular answer from people (laughs) who've been there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty magical. What what is it about that location? Can you describe it for us? Mm. All right, so it's like nestled in between like these big, you know, beautiful green Swiss. I mean, we're always there in the spring, so it's green, like, um, hills, uh, well, I guess in the mountains of Switzerland and, um, the starting line. So basically where, where the spectators are and where like the, the boathouse and everything is, is, is in the last like 500 meters. So as you kind of go up to the starting line, it is, um, you know, there's all these like cows on the hillside with like bells on, um, and it, it really is like a scene out of like, I don't know, sound of music or something <laughs> yeah. like you, you, it, it is the most peaceful starting line I've ever had. And then you just, you're, the, it just feels like you're there. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, in other, in other places, uh, I've rode, like, it just feels like the starting line is like, anxiety ridden but like for some for some reason like there you're just like this is where I, this is where I want to be like it just kind of feels like yeah you're like this is why I'm here there like you can't you can't help but see just like this peaceful beautiful surroundings and then you know it, it's also usually like first race of the year but um yeah I just think it's it's the beautiful scenery and like the vision in the the like auditory kind of like hearing these like cows mooing and clucking along and um but I hadn't it, heard about the cows before so thanks oh for really no I hadn't yes. no I, I'm like trying to paint this picture but it, it yeah. is really like it is a feel Carla what about you what's your favorite place Ooh. to row? that's hard I don't have a ton of experience um but I, I really do love the estuary um it's noisy loud the water can be unpredictable sometimes it's glass sometimes it feels like you're on a three-hour tour Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's it's 
but it's home. What about you, Denise? Yeah, it's kind of the same as Carla. My experience on other water is kind of limited to regattas. Charles River, I must admit, I, I went to MIT. I had a view out my dorm room for my entire career, my, my entire college career, basically right across from the boat. So I never rode. I never even noticed that the head of the Charles happened. Um, so for me, it's it just feels really nice being on the water there. But the estuary is really its home and it's it is cool. You know, you've got Coast Guard vessels and tugboats and it's a working waterway. And somehow you do feel like you're just, you're in the middle of life when you're there. And well, you have like a, the description. a, you have a really wide range of rowing on that body of water too. Mm -hmm. You've got Cal, you've got Strokes, you've got the national team. Um, and then our, in our boathouse, a bunch of kids. It's just, it's just a great place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our last question, most important of the day, coffee before or after a row? Both. <laughs> after. Before and after. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just drip it right in. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I do wish that there were cup holders in the eight. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. There should be cup holders and a cup holder in the coxswain seat would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh man. Do you all, did you all cross paths with uh, Sarah Trowbridge over in DC at all? She, so she was on the national team for a while. She actually grew up in DC um, okay. and, you know, trained out of there for a while, but um, she's now the new University of Oklahoma um, women's coach, but she training with her, like she had coffee, she brought coffee in the boat to much of our coaches chagrin, but yeah. she, would, she would just be running like and was always late to practice. And so she would just be running down to the dock with like a Wawa cup of like, you know, <laughs> like super cup. And she would literally put a, just like regular paper cup of yeah. coffee in the bow of the boat. And she, she's very skillful rower, you know, yeah, and would be able to keep it, <laughs> keep it wow. up. Yeah. Wow. That's a key, uh, key metric on how stable your rowing is well, that morning. Seriously. Can yeah. you keep the cup upright? I like that. Do you remember yep. the guy, do you remember the guy on, this is, I think it was pre TikTok, but the guy who did the glass of champagne on, on, the, the, on the stern. Yeah. And he had his, his GoPro and he had a glass of champagne on the stern and that was how he got oh, himself okay. to, I used to, when I used to teach single sculling, I would put those little like bobble toys, you know, those little bobble head toys. Oh, I would put that on the stern of the boat, like way out because it gave them something to look at, but it also was like, don't let the head bobble, no bobble, that's, you know, that's good. And, they were, and it was the little alien one that was like at, from Archie McBee's. It was like, blah, 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 you know, <laughs> <laughs> wow. okay. So Denise, um, because you are the current president of East Bay Rowing Club. Can you tell us a bit how East Bay got started, who rose there, and what makes it so special? Sure. Um, we started in 2007 as Jack London Aquatic Center. Um, there was a transition somewhere around 2011 where East Bay Rowing Club became the entity it is now. Um, we had founding mothers, not founding fathers, um, one of whom still rose with us. And it started out as a women's team, a small group. They, after a year or so, added some men. 
and we're still working on diversity, trying to get more men. Um, and then in 2013, we started our juniors program, which is a scholastic team. It's Oakland Tech High Schools, so Oakland Technical High School. Um, and it's a team that's open to any Oakland Unified School District high school student. Um, we have about 160 masters rowers right now. And we're not sure how many juniors rowers we'll have this year. Last year was a little light. We were still rebuilding from COVID. Some kids were just not back to school full time, but we are enthusiastically hoping that we're gonna have a pretty good group of 80 or so juniors. We'll know in another week or so. Mm -hmm. Um, we are a very diverse boathouse. We have a novice, we have Learn to Row. We have a novice program that runs at 5.20 and at 8 a.m. Um, and then we have what we call mixed masters, which is people who are moving up from novice and either are not skilled enough to go onto the competitive team or don't want to go on the competitive team because they don't want to compete. And then we have a comp women and comp men's team. I love the mixed masters. You, I'm just thinking all sorts of graphic design things for mixed <laughs> masters. Maybe because I'm old. Right? I keep on telling like, Denise, I'm like, it just brings me back to like Beastie Boys. Yeah, oh, oh, Beastie Boys. Right. Oh, I was being, I, in my mind, it was a very domestic. I'm thinking of literally like mixed a blender, masters, like the right? things that you mix things in the kitchen. <laughs> right. That's what I, I was, was thinking. Like the little, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So what, what do you, I mean, all of you can speak to this too, but what do you think is so special about East Bay? Like what makes it so special for you? And all three of you obviously can answer. Yeah. I think the big thing about it is it really is the home of community rowing in the East Bay. There are a couple of other um, boat clubs that have masters, but we really are endeavoring to make it be a place where everyone feels comfortable. Um, that's been, it's been an ongoing mission and I think I'll let Carla talk a bit more about what we do to make it more like that and what we've been doing over the past few years, but um, it's paying off. We have, we, in fact, we should probably get a big group photo of the entire, the entire club because it does not look like what you picture a rowing club looking like. And I'm really proud of that. It actually doesn't look the same as it looked pre-pandemic. True. Like it's completely transformed. And that's largely due in part to the fact that after we got back on the water, our DEI committee um, had a relationship with an outdoor hiking group. It was called Outdoor Afro. And it was just a group of Black mostly women, but just people who did hikes together and, and those kinds of things and wanted to come and learn how to row. So we did a learn to row just for that group and they loved it. Um, no one from that particular group joined, but the idea was formed, you know, why, why can't we do this kind of outreach in our community and just get the people who live here to come down and row and that's what we did. We started a monthly free two-hour community learn to row. And we just started hitting the pavement, talking to different people and getting them to come down. And so from that, 
um, we did get people to join. And so then our, our next, the next fully formed uh, Learn to Row, the three week sessions that we have um, was completely diverse. Like it didn't look anything like the boathouse. And we were just looking at each other going, oh my God. Um, Congrats. 90% of those people joined the club. Oh, wow. That's and weird. then the next one, we just, we kept doing it. And so we didn't, we don't have Learn to Rose every month, like the fully formed ones. But, you know, as we started to build people up in these community Learn to Rose, they just would sit in the queue for the Learn to Rose. So they, the Learn to Rose were filling up immediately with people that had been in the community Learn to Rose. And so now our novice team and our intermediate team are pretty diverse. They're men, women, tons of people of color. We have two or three women that row in hijabs. So, I mean, it's, it's been a really amazing thing to see. And that was just over the course of, I don't know what, six months, Denise. It was pretty quickly. Yeah. Steady State Podcast is made possible with listener support. Today, we're sending a big thank you to our newest Patreon crew members, Bobby K and Denise M. If you want to join our lineup, find out about our Patreon support levels and benefits at patreon.com slash steady state network in two we're back with east bay rowing club that's one two i would gather that you know this is something that every single club um, struggles with and talks about and has a commitment to and and more so now i think um than ever and how, what would you say goes into your rest? Like looking back now, what would you say went into your recipe for success on this? Nothing. We just wanted, we just wanted to present that, this thing to people who may not have had the opportunity to know it exists. I mean, we all know that there are a lot of barriers to rowing um, and a lot of people who are not white, you know, have swimming insecurities, have financial difficulties, the kinds of things that, you know, make up rowing. Um, and, and they may not, they just don't know it exists because they don't know anyone who does it. Mm-hmm. And then you get there, if, if you're lucky enough to find out about it, you get there and no one looks like you. Mm-hmm. So I, think, how, I guess I'm a little curious when you said, how do we make this happen? What was the outreach looking like to get folks to the boathouse who may not have been there before? And you mentioned a, you had a very specific two different things that you're offering, which are, you, I think you call them community learned to rows and then fully formed three week learned to rows. So mm-hmm. what does the community learn to row look like? Is that a one day come down to our boat? House? It is. It's a yep. one, it's a three hour, two to three hour program. We take you out on the barge and we just show you what rowing looks like. We go over the rowing stroke on ergs, those kinds of things. And it's free. And we tell people um, when we're talking to them in email and then when we talk to them when they get there, you can come to as many of those as you want until we get to the regular learn to row where you can actually join the club, mm-hmm. which some people have taken advantage of. Like, when, you know, because if, if they have to wait for some of them come and they're so hooked, they want to join the club right now. But, you know, you can't you can't dump brand new rowers into a, a, an ongoing program. So we ask them to wait until we get to our regular three week learn to row, which will then give you enough skill to join the novice team. But um, if we have to wait to have those longer learn to rows, we just let people come to the monthly community learn to row. And we had a number of people do that. I love that because it's, it, I think one of the barriers to participation in rowing, and this crosses all kinds of class and gender and everything else, 
is this sense of diving into something that they feel really like they have to commit to. And the commitment factor, um, so everyone, I mean, just, just yesterday I was walking with someone, I don't even know, and mentioned rowing and she's like, oh, you're up at 4am with, you know, 20 of your best friends. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't know where people got this idea about the six foot eight, you know, you got to be six feet or whatever, and you got to get up at 6am. And and I always just come back with, well, the water's great at 6am, number one, and you get it out of the way, but there's these perceptions. So I think a barrier to participation is that commitment level. And I love that you offer tasters and don't make it sound like you can only come to one of these Mm -hmm. and then you need to pay up and commit. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's what some clubs do, but I have to give some, those clubs some grace because they may not have as involved and intentional of committees like you do. And one of the things that I work with um, the people with disabilities in rowing is we try to teach this concept of an inclusive culture at a boathouse. And how would you describe the culture there at EBRC as a, as an inclusive culture, like from the time a stranger walks in the door, what would their experience be like no matter where they're coming from? Well, they, they, are welcomed first of all by the membership chair. So she's always there to greet new <laughs> rowers. But if she's not there, then she always has someone there to meet with them, be it the captains or the coaches. Um, so when people show up, they always someone always knows what what they're there for and what they need, and you know points them in the right direction. And for the most part, captains are are pretty heavily involved in in that introduction to the club too. Like when we have people who are guest rowers to the compliments club the, my co-captain and I, um, both talk to them as they're, you know, and just kind of get their background and what their intention is and just what they want to get out of this. So, you know, we open our arms. Yeah. And yeah. I bet people can feel that. De- Denise, would you describe it as there's also a, a kind of a feel of inclusion? Like people are friendly, people are smiling, people are, are engaging. We have had to work on that years ago at least the competitive women's team had the, you know, the reputation of being the mean girls um, because we're all pretty serious about rowing. And I think there were a couple of things that happened a few years back where it became clear that the entire club did not have that mentality of this is the place for everybody. Um, There were some instances where privilege became pretty apparent that um, some people just assumed that you could buy your way out of things and you can give large gifts and, you know, just- And and, keep giving large gifts and and expect other people to do it too. And sensitizing people to the fact that, you know, you can donate whatever you want, but do not expect, there shouldn't be expectations about any of that. And really starting to think, you know, think seriously about what it means to be part of this club. And in fact, we now have newly installed a big banner inside our boat bay that is essentially our values and expectations about behavior. We welcome, we include, we, and I think just reminding people that everything you do, you need to be very, very thoughtful, very mindful about what it says about our team, what it says about you. Um, 
because I think we, we all get lazy. We all just kind of do what, do what we normally do, but really thinking hard about saying hi to people, the really simple thing. Like when you see people you don't know, you're passing them on the ramp to the dock, just say hi. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, if you don't know their names, just say hi, just smile. Um, so I think we're, I think we're much better at it than we were three or four years ago. Yeah. And this goes back to something Aaron said before about, you know, especially with morning rowers, they're rowers who really get excited first thing in the morning and their brains are on, they've had their coffee, they're cheery. They've got that big smile. They say hi to everyone. And then there are the others who are like, shut up. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> I am not ready for this big personality. Um, and you can at so, least grunt. <laughs> yeah, or the grunts. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do like what you're saying, Denise, it can be as simple as a hello. And those hellos can be challenging for people. I live in a city where people look down at the sidewalk. We do not say hello to each other, um, which is yeah. kind of a bummer, but look up, say hello. And that you never know what's going to come of that. That's just, that's going to help someone start their day. It might start a conversation. It might start a new friendship and it's that easy. It's a tricky spot to be a, an accomplished rower, you know, and you're standing in the boathouse, whether it's been a year or 20 years and you're standing there and you kind of, it's your responsibility to emulate like the ideals and the values of that boathouse. And if you're really that tunnel visioned, like that's really, that's not going to work. You, not that there's no place for you. There's obviously a place for you, but you know, you want to be interdependent, like the sports, like be like rowing, you know, be interdependent, be permeable, be curious, be approachable. Right. So you need to send us a picture of that banner hundred percent. Next time we'll do. you're down there, send us yep. a picture of the banner. Um, I wanted to ask about so we've had a lot of DEI conversations and as have a lot of people in the last couple of years, especially at the rowing with the rowing community. And there's some amazing programs out there. There's mm -hmm. STEM to Stern. There's a most beautiful thing. There's um, different programs at different boathouses that we've been spotlighting and, and hearing about. And we actually heard recently from someone who said the real change is going to come when every boathouse and every club in the country has a paid person, a paid employee working on DEI. When you get it to that level and there is someone who is actually paid and dedicated to that, rather than relying, not that volunteers aren't great, but volunteers are really great, but when, but it's a real show when you can actually fundraise and have someone that's a paid employee. In lieu of that, sounds like you have a really strong uh, DEI committee. And I'd love to hear about your who you're partnering with and we know you have a relationship with Arshi Cooper who came to your Learn to Row this year and how that got started. So. Can someone, I think, uh, Carla, you're, are you the yes, chair I'm of the committee? Yeah, I'm the co-chair of the committee. Awesome. Um, awesome. So for, we are partnered with um, STEM to Stern. Mm. We're working just from the, since we've already started with the adults and we, we kind of have a good read on, on how to get adults in there. Now getting the kids in there is a different story. We've got, again, to revisit things like, you know, economic disparities and swimming insecurities and those kinds of things. And STEM to Stern addresses those things. Um, they've already got this great model, Will and, and Rachel and um, Brooke um, have done a really good job of forming a community around the boathouses that are, are piloting this program. And they give us all of the tools that we need 
to help get these kids on the water. It's it's been really an amazing thing. Um, we are new to this program. We just started it, or we're starting it this fall, and we're partnering in in this with Oakland Strokes, which is a, a, a youth um, rowing program down at the other end of the estuary. And they have an established middle school um, program. And so they started their partnership with STEM to Stern last year. And so we started working with them so that we could get ours off the ground. But then in working with them, we realized that we're stronger together. So we have helped them get the swimming portion of it off the ground. We've worked with them on the STEM part. And now um, we're going to actually uh, drive the STEM portion of it and they'll drive the coaching. Fun. We had the chance to meet uh, Will Bott of Stem to Stern last year at Masters Nationals. And I can't believe that was only a year ago because so much has happened for Stem to Stern, right? Stem to Stern got picked up by U.S. Rowing yep. in the last year. And now there are Stem to Stern programs that are, you know, blooming all across the country. And so I'm really glad to hear that East Bay has partnered with Stem to Stern. That's going to be huge for you in developing programming there for kids. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. One of the initiatives that I think like I, that I, you know, brought me to this boathouse, you know, there's a, there's a lot of boathouses to choose from, thankfully now in the Bay Area. But right. one of the things that attracted me is that, yeah, that we want to get more of the youth as Carla was speaking to like involved and even just exposed to the sport. Like they can decide whether they want to do it or not. Um, so I, yeah, as, as the, um, working with the Oakland tech, or I guess it is more like the Oakland unified schools, we're um, working to, again, get in front of like other athletic directors and, and have them um, kind of realize that this is an option for their kids to play sports. And, you know, one of the things that I was a former basketball player, right, uh, you know, that was just not not good enough. Uh, and so I but there's also I just think this is this sport is just like a wonderful place for for folks that, you know, maybe are, I even was talking to the volleyball coach at Oakland tech the other day. I'm like, Hey, if you have any injured athletes, like have them come cross train with us, you know? Um, and just giving like those kind of like low hanging fruit, like opportunities to just still like at that, at that young age, be just involved in a community and learn how to connect with others and kind of like this simulated, you know, life experience. Like what it is just, we, we like to just be a mini community in a, in a, in a way for, for kids and adults and, you know, the big kids to, to just come together and, um, you know, play in the water and, and work with each other. So, yeah, I think that's the, another growing initiative is, is reaching out more to our local, um, schools and getting, getting the, the opportunity yeah, rowing is a no-cut sport. Mm -hmm. right. So Aaron, in your current role as head coach of the Oakland Tech men's varsity rowing program, what is your perspective on coaching education? And do you have a connection with the Positive Coaching Alliance as a resource? Yeah, I appreciate you bring that up. Um, I mean, I think this weaves into what Carla and Denise were talking about of making our, our boathouse um, more inclusive and accessible. I think you know, it's one thing to reach out to the community um, and also have our rowers be, um, you know, inclusive and accepting. But I also think it 
we have to come a long way as coaches um, who've been rooted in these like old kind of like stale traditions um, to actually allow and be better hosts, like be better coaches and allow, um, you know, folks coming in um, and, and meeting them where they're at. And so that is one of my um, big initiatives here. And if I can also add, like, I also kind of moonlight, I'm in graduate school for clinical psychology and doing some research on, um, you know, people with adverse childhood experiences. And one of the best things that we found uh, is finding a community, you know, even if you don't have uh, the support at home, coming to a place like a boathouse or like a sports team or like a, you know, even a church group or whatever kind of group you, you have, like having a place where you can come and be a part of, you know, another social community is just it makes a huge difference in the development of, of a kid and of a human. And so I think our roles as, as coaches and why I'm kind of coming on as um, back into this coaching role is I think it's really, you know, I've sat in a room as a therapist for the past few years. And I actually think coaches are, are the, that's, the place where we can meet people more where they're at. And really, I think with Positive Coaching Alliance, um, it's the program that I've seen the best that mimics like the, the um, good research of how to build an inclusive community. Um, and there's, there's programming for coaches, there's programming for athletes, um, and there's also programming for parents as well of like how to be, how to use sport and again, not, not, this isn't, you know, the goal isn't to, to win, you know, the gold medal for, you know, seven minutes until the next race, you know, the goal is really to create better humans where we can, we can just be, um, you know, respectful and aware of ourselves and be a part of this community. Um, so all that being said, yeah, I, I think, um, it's a beautiful thing to, uh, it, it all not to, uh, you know, steal from Arche's, um, phrase, but I, I do think it is a beautiful thing when we are able to include people from the community, but we do, um, we do need to have better hosts. We need to do our own work here, especially for folks like myself that just come from, you know, mostly white, able-bodied neurotypical, you know, middle-class SES backgrounds. Like we need to do our own work and not just expect us to go out to, you know, do the DEI work, um, without that. So, yeah. Yeah. This is a big topic of conversation, um, that Tara and I have, have, um, dabbled in with a lot of coaches, um, because a lot of us, especially those of us who maybe are a little bit older and we've been coaching for a long way, either there are coaches who are set in their ways, Mm -hmm. Or if we think about coaching education, there are coaches who maybe got a U.S. rowing level one, level two certification. And then it was like, like that was it. And they said, that's enough. And they've continued to coach without moving their own coaching forward. And I know um, I've been following the Positive Coaching Alliance for a few years on social media. Mm -hmm. And there's 
always good stuff being shared. And I've always paid attention to it, even though, quote unquote, even though it is really developed for coaches working with younger athletes, like the information is valid across the board. Mm -hmm. If you're working with young athletes or you're working with masters rowers, like you still need to understand as a coach how to interact with your athletes in a positive, meaningful way. Steady State Podcast celebrates real life experience from launch to cockseat at every level. Search the archive at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast dash topics or listen to your favorite podcast app. One thing and the main thing of why we wanted to talk to you guys today was we have had a little kerfuffle about Masters Nationals being held in Florida. The state of Florida, as we all know, is not the most welcoming state to all bodies and all types. And in response to that, we've seen DC Strokes put out a petition to boycott U.S. Rowing Masters Nationals DC Strokes team, which is an LGBT uh, team out of Washington, D.C. that Rachel is affiliated with, put out a boycott and was well, very well received um, that we feel like that's been a success, uh, people who've signed into that. And as a result, you guys had a great idea, and we'd love to hear about what's happening up coming up at EBRC. We decided actually before DC Strokes to boycott nationals, we sent a very polite letter to US Rowing asking, what the hell? <laughs> you know, why, why would you announce this within days of Florida's most recent awful legislation? And we were supposed to be having nationals in Oakland. We had done it, we hosted in 2018. We were up for it for this year. And it was happening, 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 and then suddenly didn't happen and wanted to know why. So um, to US Rowing's credit, they responded to us and said, let's talk. And so we had a really productive call with them and it did largely come down to money because previously Oakland had contributed a fair amount to hosting it here. It's more expensive to do things on Lake Merritt than it is on a dedicated um, rowing facility. But as part of that, you know, we asked, given that you're doing it in Florida, what are you doing to protect rowers? And the response we got was, well, we could do that. We could do that. And we said, okay, you could, and, and we think you should. We gave them a list. And again, to their credit, they've come back and done everything that we suggested that they should do. So I'm really impressed with U.S. Rowing's um, stepping up and being very assertive and like upfront about protecting the entire community. But in the meantime, we decided we're not going, we're boycotting it. Let's host our own regatta here. Um, the woman who is our director of, for this regatta said, I've put on swim meets before. How hard can it be? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, she, she grabbed this one by the horns. And so we are hosting regatta on August 20th. It is on the estuary. So again, rowers will get to experience what it's like to row on an active waterway. There won't be lane lines, but we will have it cordoned off enough so that it's protected thousand meter course. Um, it's just a one day regatta. So far we have 
I think seven clubs that have committed to, to participating. Um, we're hoping that we know that most clubs are like us who they sign up like the day the deadline comes up, um, but we're really excited. We're getting a lot of interest. Um, we hear that DC Strokes is sending some folks, which we are, I, I've got bedrooms here. So I'm one of the people <laughs> that is volunteering to host. Um, so yeah, we are, we are really excited and we want to make this not a one-year thing. We're, the title of our regatta is Boats Without Barriers. Um, and we want it to be an ongoing regatta. So we're hoping for success and. Um, yeah, well, fingers crossed for you all there. You know, when, when I first heard about uh, Boats Without Barriers, you guys had just announced it. And this was what, four, six weeks ago, not that long ago. But it was so exciting. And from the perspective of, of someone who's been involved with DC Strokes for about 12 years, and I'm currently coaching for Strokes, you know, and heavily involved with um, the discussions around the boycott of Masters Nationals to see what East Bay is doing in response was just amazing and heartwarming. And even if you had the idea to boycott first, we <laughs> still think you're amazing. And um, and, uh, you know, I'm really glad to hear that this is hopefully fingers crossed, not a, not a one-off, you know, I really hope that you have a success this year and run boats without barriers in years to come. Um, Steady State's a big fan. So thank you for, thank you for, uh, taking that on. I just appreciate you all reaching out and Absolutely. I appreciate the work that you're doing and bringing, like you said, this everyday rower to the forefront. Oh, well, thank you for saying such nice things. We really are trying to create uh, a, a wonderful tight-knit community across the country and we're learning day by day and interview by interview that the community is spread out wide, but it's pretty small if you just get to talking with people. Yep. And we're all connected by a love for this sport. So it's it's really great. And it's why we can all go to different grottas and go to boat houses all over the country and say hi and sleep on each other's couches and oh, all yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Uh, really lively, wonderful conversation. I hope this isn't the last time we all talk to each other. We'll have to check in um, after your event and find out how it went. So thank you so, so, so much. So thank nice. you. Thank um, you. Thank you for, yeah. for talking to us. Yeah. All right. Bye. Have a great afternoon. Have a great rest Bye. of your day. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. To see photos of Aaron, Denise, and Carla, and get links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website. Hey, Tara, I think some listeners might not know that Steady State is more than a podcast. Yeah, we should definitely tell them we've got virtual events happening every week that bring together the rowing community from across the country and around the world. Yeah, I always look forward to Friday mornings when you and I get together for coffee chat. We talk about rowing, racing, and technique, but also deep dive into things like inclusion and leadership. We hope you'll join us Friday mornings at 8 o'clock West, 11 o'clock East, live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Grab your favorite mug and add your voice to the conversation. To find out more about any of our events, visit SteadyStateNetwork.com slash calendar. Steady State Podcast is a production of Steady State Network. This episode was written and produced by Tara and Rachel. It was edited by Tara with some help from Rachel. 
Rachel manages our website and social media. And our theme music is by the Free Harmonic Orchestra. Between us, we have 33 years of rowing, coaching, and coxing experience, and we run successful rowing-related enterprises. Tara is the founder of Seize the Oar Foundation, which champions inclusion in the sport of rowing through team training, outreach, and thought leadership. And Rachel is the founder of RowSource, designing unique rowing gear for individuals, clubs, and events. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Seize the Oar and RowSource. Follow Steady State Network on Facebook and Instagram at Steady State Network and on Twitter at Steady State Row. Visit SteadyStateNetwork.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Into way enough. That's one, two, way enough.